from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. Bacon lovers rejoice where you can go to enjoy bacon every day for every meal. Ag ships on the move as grain continues to leave Ukrainian ports, a new message from Russia. There is no justification uh, for the action that it's taken. And the winter wheat crop is already setting a record and not in a good way. we got a ways to go to dig this crop out of it. The latest on conditions in the field right now on Ag. Good morning, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Drought continues to deepen across the main ag production areas of the U.S. Last week's drought monitor map showed nearly 85% of the U.S. is in some stage of drought. Ag Day's Michelle Rook joins us with a look at how that's impacting the winter wheat crop conditions. Clinton, the latest drought monitor also shows nearly three quarters of the winter wheat acres in the U.S. are in some level of drought. As a result, winter wheat condition ratings this week were well below last year's 45% gets excellent. In fact, they hit a record low for this time of year. This was USDA's first crop rating of the season for winter wheat, and the crop came in at only 28% good to excellent, with 35% of the crop rated poor to very poor. The last time they were this low was in the drought year of 2012 at 40% good to excellent. But we are looking at a pretty poor conditions. The crop rated at 28% good to excellent. That's 17 or 13% less than expected. Um, way, I mean, like you said, a record low for this time frame. So we got a ways to go to dig this crop out of it. And of course, you know, emergence is still behind the five-year average. Planting is still taking place. And when the ratings are plugged into Pro Farmers Crop Condition Index, the hard red winter wheat crop starts the growing season with the lowest initial rating ever and the lowest on record for any week ahead of dormancy. In Oklahoma, only 11% of the crop is rated good to excellent, only 24% in Kansas, and in Texas, only 4% is rated good, none excellent. But it's not just confined to the southern plains. It's also hitting the corn belt, you know, the soft red wheat, as well as the hard red winter wheat. But The soft red winter wheat crop starts the growing season with a rating that is 18% below the five-year average. In Illinois, the SRW crop is only 35% good to excellent. Ohio is at 55%. Some rains are forecasted for the southern plains later this week, but will not be enough to significantly help that winter wheat crop. This comes at a time when USDA is pegging U.S. and global ending stocks for wheat at 15-year lows. All right, thanks, Michelle. California's drought is causing water shortages and skyrocketing prices. State senators have raised the alarm about potential drought profiteering. And as Renee Marsh reports, they're asking the Department of Justice to investigate. Miles of brittle, uprooted almond trees lay flat across dry farmland in Coalinga, California. Drought, tightening water restrictions, and now skyrocketing water prices have forced farmers to sacrifice their crops. This is what a thirsty city on the verge of running out of water looks like. We can't continue this. It's not sustainable for our community. City Councilman Adam Adkisson says Coalinga was set to run out of water by mid to late November and had to turn to the open market to buy water to make up the shortfall. The city was short about 600 acre feet of water. That's the equivalent of about 300 Olympic-sized pools. Last week, Coalinga finalized the water purchase from a California public irrigation district. The price tag for one of life's most basic necessities? 
roughly $1.1 million. Adkisson says the same amount of water used to cost the city $114,000. I was just floored. I could not believe that they could sell water at that price, but um, that was actually a cheap rate. That's the cheapest rate we found. The index that tracks water transactions in California shows the price of water has gone from just over $200 in 2019 to more than $1,000 today for the amount of water it would take to fill half of an Olympic-sized pool. People are making money off of less water availability, and that's hurting real people, real farmers, and real communities. Hi, everybody. California State Senator Melissa Hurtado and a bipartisan group of California legislators in a letter sent this August urged the U.S. Justice Department to investigate, quote, potential drought profiteering. Hurtado suspects there could be water price gouging in drought-stricken western states. I'm not a farmer, and this keeps me up at night. CNN was there as Hurtado met with a living room full of farmers raising alarm about high water prices. How can we work out a plan to where it's not going to bankrupt us? Dee Dee Gruber and her husband Tom grow 11 different crops. They estimate the water needed to grow one of their crops, walnuts, will cost $40,000. It would have cost us more in water than what we what we're going to get for our walnuts. The Justice Department, in an email to Hurtado this month, said her complaint was forwarded to the appropriate legal staff for further review. The agency declined comment to CNN on what, if any, investigative actions it might take as this dwindling resource becomes more expensive to come by. We're a very poor community. These people out here cannot afford a thousand percent increase in their water bills. We flip the calendar over to November and now snow is on the way for mountain regions in the West. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen of Ag Day affiliate WNDU is filling in for Matt and she's been tracking the very latest. Courtney. Well, the Pacific Northwest is going to be seeing quite a bit of snowfall as we head into the coming days. As you can see, looking at the snowfall estimate through this afternoon and then it continues to pick up as it heads further towards the east. We're talking portions seeing upwards of six inches of, of snowfall but with this moisture, it's going to continue to spread as we head towards the east. Take a look and see what's going to be happening as we push the map through. The snowfall is going to be looking at, oh, wow, look at that, 18 to 24 inches in some isolated areas and portions of Colorado. Certainly a decent amount of snowfall and much needed snowfall. Now, on the eastern side of the mountains, however, we are looking at an elevated fire risk. That is going to be for portions of the area today in the north central plains, as well as the central plains themselves. Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Micro Essentials from Mosaic, the science of more. Discover our proven products. Text YIELDS to 31313. And the latest on the yields in the field right now, Dana saying this is nine-year-old Charlie running the grain cart at their farm in Illinois. Dana says Charlie's become quite the expert at running the cart. She says harvest is going great and they're seeing yields 5 to 10% above average. She adds that it's been a very consistent and smooth harvest, and they're aiming to wrap things up in the next 7, 10, 10 days. We'll take a closer look at your forecast coming up in just a bit. Ships loaded with grain are still departing Ukrainian ports right now. That's despite Russia suspending its participation in the UN broker deal. Now, the UN saying yesterday three ships carrying corn, wheat, and sunflower meal left through humanitarian sea corridors set up in July. A total of 14 ships also sailed Monday. Russian President Vladimir Putin now saying that the country isn't ending its participation in the deal, but rather it's suspending it. And in Ukraine must guarantee there will not be threats to civilian vessels 
or Russian supply vessels. Russia citing an alleged Ukrainian drone attack against its Black Sea fleet. So whatever justification Russia wishes to offer, uh, whatever justification it wishes to offer today, uh, there is no justification uh, for the action that it's taken. The analysts say Russia is still bound by the terms of the grain deal it signed, including a commitment not to target civilian vessels traveling under the agreement. Such an attack would violate international law. Wheat soared to start the week on word about issues with the Black Sea grain deal. And on Tuesday, it was soybeans' turn, rising for a fourth straight day, reaching a five-week high. Traders closely watching access to Brazil's supplies in wake of the country's weekend election. Protests by backers of Jair Bolsonaro intensified as the Brazilian president remained silent over his loss in the election, refusing to concede defeat to Luiz Ignacio Lula da Silva. Over 300 federal highways were partially or fully blocked, including the BR-163, the so-called soybean highway. A new farmer survey shows producers are still very much concerned with input prices right now. The monthly Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer falling again. It now sits at a reading of 102. That's down 10 points from last month. The index is down 16% compared to where it was this time last year. Now, both the index of current conditions and the index of future expectations also fell. Once again, this month in the Ag Economy Barometer Survey, we asked producers what their biggest concerns are for their farming operation in the upcoming year. And the top choice continues to be higher input cost, chosen by 43% of respondents in this month's survey. 21% of producers also reported they were concerned about rising interest rates, although fewer producers said they view now as a bad time to make large investments. The Farm Capital Investment Index remained at a weak level with the cost of new machinery a major concern. Now, despite the weakness in farmer sentiment, both the short and long-term farmland value indices rose this month. Grains moved higher on Tuesday, pulled up by soybean markets, now trading above the $14 mark for futures. Michelle Rook joins us next with more and later bacon and where you can get it 24 seven in the country. Some good news about natural gas prices. They've fallen about 40% since hitting shale era highs in late August. And that's reducing the risk of budget busting heating bills this winter for millions of Americans. It could potentially also ease a major cost pressure for manufacturers. Now experts say the decline is due to warm autumn weather, record domestic production and gas storage facilities that have filled up fast since the end of air conditioning season. Soybeans had a big day, but corn futures also rebounded from overnight weakness as easing harvest pressure offset concerns about tight global grain stocks. Michelle Rook is back to bring us the latest on markets right now. Tuesday's market closes mostly higher, except for the cattle complex. John Payne is joining us with market analysis. And John, let's talk just a little bit about uh, the grain complex to the plus side, as well as cotton, pushed by some good news out of China about maybe their COVID policy, right? Yeah, so midweek, we've got a report, uh, you know, so far that China potentially, and I'm using all these superlatives to try to cover tracks, because that's essentially what they're doing um, to form a committee in regards to discussing uh, the zero policy, uh, COVID policy that's taking place in, in China. So 
Uh, it, that news broke. We saw an immediate move up in, in markets like cotton, uh, soybeans. The global oil markets, I think, are really more your China trade, whereas uh, in, in the wheat and the corn grains, feed grains specifically, would be more of the, uh, the Russia trade. We got the news potentially that COVID could, let's say, be ending here, but maybe a different tact being taken by the Chinese. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's an amazing thing that we've been living in this world we've been living in for the last really three years now and having China continually be locked down. You know, they're still in that 2019, 2020 phase where we've now moved on and are dealing with a whole nother basket of issues. And I think as we move forward here uh, into the 2023 crop year, um, you know, the lack of Chinese demand or the demand coming back rather could throw a huge, huge monkey wrench in the inflationary problems that the global faces. Uh, because in reality, China, second biggest economy in the world, uh, they start firing up their cylinders to buy again. It's markets specifically like cotton, like soybeans for their meal purposes and, and really into the pork sector. I think right. you could see those markets do really well. And soybeans, the leader of the grains, really pulling corn and wheat back in a positive territory. We also got a push there from these Brazilian protests of the election and yeah. pretty strong technical closes, right? Right. So the China, or I'm sorry, the soybeans uh, problem in Brazil, we expect that to be you know, mitigated, I guess, in the short term. Um, but one issue that won't be is, is the, uh, the Argentinian wheat crop. So mid-morning on Tuesday, we got announcement that potentially uh, we could have some, some force majeure declared, uh, you know, disasters declared in Argentina, and then those shipments not made. And we're not in a world right now where prices can handle uh, you know, a lack of supply from big producers. Okay. And South America will be watched, as will Australia. And then, of course, we have the U.S. growing season that's going to be started here. We got the crop condition reports on Monday yeah. that uh, things aren't much better here in, uh, in West Kansas either. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, that is John Payne with Hedgepoint Global Markets. We'll have more Ag Day coming up. To find John's newsletter, This Week in Grain and Oilseeds, head over to www.thisweekingrain.com. Ag Day is brought to you by Farm Shop MFG. Did you know that 20% of stored corn is often overventilated by three points of moisture? On 100,000 bushels, that's a whole semi-load. Stop this problem for less with the end zone for corn from Farm Shop MFG. Specially priced at $1,800 per unit while supplies last. Meteorologist Courtney Jorgensen joining us uh, to take a look at our forecast today. We start with the drought monitor, and this cold front could bring some snow, as you mentioned, but also some rain. Yeah, and certainly much needed rain, especially in the central portions of the United States. That's really going to be helping to add that moisture to the grounds. And with those central portions of the country needing that moisture, they are going to be getting some of that because we do have the jet stream in motion as it does. So you can see that trough that's still continuing to develop over the Pacific Northwest. As we put the map in motion, you can see some nice ridging over on the eastern edge. But as the trough continues to deepen, that's where we're going to start to see some of that moisture begin to head its way eastward all the way as we head through the end of the week. And then a similar pattern happens as we continue into next week as well, too, particularly over the Pacific Northwest. Here's what it looks like as far as your precipitation forecast over the next 10 days. You can see all the way from the northern portions of the country all the way to the south. That's really where we need that rainfall and it looks like we will be getting some of that upwards above about two inches in some areas. Some isolated areas seeing three inches as well as into the Pacific Northwest where they also need that rainfall. They're going to be getting quite a bit of snowfall 
over the next coming days. Here's what it looks like for you as we put the radar in motion. Many of the country still dealing with that ridge and that's keeping us dry at this hour, but there's that cold front beginning to build itself up already dropping snowfall off in the northwest as it does so and continues to move through. Things will start to build up ahead of it and that's going to start to bring the moisture from the south. We'll eventually get some of that gulf moisture as well too and that's what's going to allow the potential for that cold front to bring the potential for severe weather, particularly through the central plains and the north central plains as we head into Thursday night and into Friday. That's what it looks like as far as severe thunderstorm risk. Most areas just seeing a few uh, thunderstorms possible, but there is that risk out there for some isolated thunderstorms. Most likely damaging winds is going to be the biggest issue out there. And with those wind gusts, that's going to be that issue. Here it is for you on that wind gust forecast. We're looking at the potential for 30 plus mile per hour gusty winds as we continue Thursday afternoon and into Friday continues all the way further towards the south. Here's what the temperatures look like this afternoon across the area. You can see those colder temperatures in the northwest and then as we head into tomorrow morning as well too, cooler temperatures there. Take a look at your forecast here outside in your area. Jefferson, Iowa, sunny skies and windy high temperature 76 degrees. Into Baker City, Oregon, you can see rain and snow showers high of 41. Fairview, Oklahoma, sunny and breezy, 76. Uncertainty appears to be the name of the game right now in the pork industry. Rabobank issuing its latest pork report saying producers right now are exercising caution. We'll start with a global picture where Rabo Research says production is dealing with high costs and demand uncertainty. That's due to a slowing economy and they say it's happening even as pork remains a good value. They predict trade will strengthen to end the year with more upside possible next year. Now, producers are expected to limit herd growth due to those higher production costs. Overall, they expect global production to fall about 2% this year and almost no growth next year. While here in the U.S., pork values are expected to remain strong through the end of the year on steady demand and tighter availability. One of the world's biggest consumers of pork is preparing to release more product from its strategic reserve. China's state planner says it will release its seventh round of frozen pork into domestic markets. The country sold 200,000 metric tons of pork from state reserves last month. The move, an effort to ease rising domestic pork prices, which were up more than 20% last month compared to September a year ago. And that followed a month-to-month -month increase in July of 25%. Now, the increase in prices being attributed to strong demand, high feed costs, and fewer sows. Recent outbreaks of COVID are also forcing some to travel less and cook at home more. And what better way to celebrate the greatness that is pork than with bacon? Coming up, we head to a restaurant where the crispy strips take center stage in the country. The NRCS Conservation Stewardship Program cost shares more than 150 practices on farms and ranches. Visit your local service center or farmers.gov today. Closed captioning on Ag Day is brought to you by BASF. BASF, helping you do the biggest jobs on earth. How much do you love bacon? And I do mean really love bacon. 
If you can't live without it, Las Vegas may be the place for you. There's a restaurant that's just opened called Bacon Nation. It's where you can go if you want everything bacon. Now we're talking 13 gourmet bacon flavors, including lemon pepper, black truffle, chocolate, jalapeno, barbecue, and more. And you can order it for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and late night, so 24-7. There are things like sweet and savory French toast boxes and reverse BLTs for which weaved bacon takes the place of the bread. You can dine in or you can pick up your order to go with orders placed in lockers or a so-called piggy bank. And that's all the time we have this morning. From all of us here at Ag Day, I'm Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day. Thanks for watching.